welcome to the Destiny podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Okay. So, um, and we talk probably about a few things in this session, um, largely because I don't really know what the title means. So it could go in a few different ways. Um, but uh, I think one of the big things I want to talk about is how we um, how we handle the prophetic word when it's given and maybe also how we help people handle prophetic words when they're given as well um, and so you know we've talked quite a bit this week about the the concept of us learning of us being on a journey that none of us would say we've arrived even last week when we talked about hearing God's voice we, we talked about the importance of saying I feel God told me as opposed to God told me because it leaves room for people to understand this is my my best guess you know I, I, I I wouldn't do it if I didn't feel God told me, but I do feel God told me. I, I'm not sure, you know, it wasn't a booming voice from the sky. Um, and, and it's the same with the prophetic. You know, when, when we give a prophetic word, we're, we're not saying, thus saith the Lord. We say things like, hey, really feel God was saying this, and I want to share it with you. Um, but we also leave room of like, go away and think about that. You know, does that mean anything to you? We ask for um, feedback and... Um, I think there's a real importance that we always stay humble in giving prophetic words, that we always um, remain teachable, that people can um, come back to us and say, that doesn't sound at all right. But you know what? The, the, here's, here's something that I guess we haven't touched too much on this week is there's, there's a world of difference between um, the charismatic camp would break it up like this. Okay, So this is how they would describe it is that a word of knowledge, we haven't really talked much about this um, that I can recall, maybe we did. A word of knowledge is when God tells you something that is true about someone else, but you couldn't have known it. So maybe God says, um, this morning this person prayed this, you know, and you know maybe that person in that morning was praying, God, I really need to uh, hear a sign from you or I'm giving up on Christianity. And God says, that's what they prayed this morning. So when you go to them and you say, hey, I really feel God told me um, that he said that you were praying this morning, saying you were about to give up on Christianity, you really need a sign. And I really feel that God's saying he wants to give you the sign. This is the sign. That's not a prophetic word. It's a word of knowledge. It's it's something that is true right now. Um, And a prophetic word is something that isn't true right now in the natural apparently how it is how it is apparent and so the when when we give words we'll bleed the line between those two and i don't i don't really care about the semantics you know i mean i don't really care if you give a prophetic word or a word of knowledge sometimes they can be just as encouraging as one another and oftentimes what we're looking for is a word of knowledge anyway because the word of knowledge really builds our faith and encourages because we when someone says something and we go wow they couldn't have known that other than god telling them god really cares about me god really um, knows me, God wanted to encourage me or, or something like that um, but sometimes God will give you a prophetic word and it isn't true um, you know so an example is I've got a friend who once gave a prophecy over this guy um, and he's and he, it was in a meeting as well, it was kind of awkward um, so this guy, he's like hey can you stand up and the guy stood up and he's like I really see you as a worship leader and a songwriter, God's given you this gift to lead uh, in worship and to write songs and in the moment, the guy is just like, no, you're wrong. I don't play any music. I'm tone deaf and I can't do it. And my friend was really ballsy. I would not have done this. Okay, this is not what I recommend you do. But I'm kind of trying to prove a point of like prophecy, not always what's happening right now. It's not necessarily 
quote unquote true. Um, my friend just goes, no, you're wrong. God says you're going to be a worship leader and you're a songwriter. Go buy a guitar or something. And literally, and so afterwards at the end, the guy came up and was like, hey, I really don't see your point. I don't understand. And he's like, look, the purpose of a prophetic word is that I really strongly feel God said you're going to be a worship leader and a songwriter. He's like, you can do what you want with that, but I can guarantee you're not going to be if you sit at home and just wait. He's like, but go buy a guitar and learn to play guitar or something. Like if you feel like, go ask God what you think, but you know, whatever. And he actually went back, I think it was a couple of years later, and, um, and the guy was leading worship for a church of 500 people and already had an album. And he'd never picked up a guitar beforehand. I think he learned guitar and piano or something. And, and it just, he says, like, he bought this guitar, but he, like, just could play it. Like, he picked it up and he's just, he was learning, like, almost, like, instantly. And, like, you know, he had rhythm down. He didn't have to, like, try and learn how to do that. And, and it, just, it just came really naturally to me just from that word. And he's like, I'm really sorry that I, like, you know, like, was really standoffish about your word. Now, I'm not saying when someone says you're wrong, you go, well, you're wrong. You know, obviously I'm not saying that. But I think the point I'm trying to make is sometimes when we give a word, the person isn't going to be able to say, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what's happening. Because it's going to be, hey, God's going to really bring provision to you in the next few months. Um, You might be able to say, hey, I feel like you're really struggling with finances right now and God's going to bring provision. And the person can go, oh, that's great. It's kind of a word of knowledge and prophecy. Does that make sense? Because you're saying in the words of knowledge, you're struggling, and that might really encourage them and go, I am, I've not told anyone, but I really am. And that makes me feel known. It builds my faith. It makes me feel that God's about to speak to me because someone revealed something they couldn't have known. But the prophecy part is that he's going to provide. And I don't have a way to prove that. The only way I can prove that is in a few months if I give you a call and say, hey, that worked. Um, and so, you know, like Rebecca was saying, like it's sometimes it's a year later or something like that that you actually find out that the words you gave meant something. Um, and so I think um, when we receive prophetic words and when we give prophetic words, we, we leave room for the fact that the prophetic isn't set in stone yet. Um, and oftentimes um, when we prophesy, we're prophesying something that is not yet there. Now, oftentimes we're prophesying something that is is a reality on the inside. Maybe we prophesy and say, hey, you're a real um, amazing father, you're going to be, uh, you, you're full of peace, you're full of joy, and the father's thinking, I am like the worst father ever, like my wife is about to divorce me because I'm so bad or something. Um, and so it doesn't appear true, but actually it is true, that's who that person was made and that's who that person was in Christ. And so um, I'm not saying that it's, it's quote-unquote not real all the time, but I think I, I'm talking about the prophetic isn't necessarily what the person knows to be true right now. Does that make sense? So it's something that the person knows to be true, you're just revealing a word of knowledge. You're revealing something that can be known. Um, but the pro- prophecy is something that is, um, it's, it's something that cannot be known. It's something that, um, that is beyond the now, um, if that makes sense, at least to that person as well and sometimes you know other people might know it but they really um can't see it um and so i say that so that you're not always discouraged when you give a prophecy and someone's like well that's not true and you're like okay just pray about it you know you can leave it with them you can say hey that's okay sometimes i'm i'm wrong i'm learning i'm, I'm learning to hear god's voice but i really do feel that god said that this is going to happen maybe pray about it and see if there's room for god to bring that about in your life um so you can kind of absolve yourself and not necessarily get beat yourself up going, I'm so wrong, because you don't know. Um, You don't know. Um, You might be. And again, you're teachable and you're humble. Thanks. Let me know as well. Like if it really doesn't come about, let me know and I can learn and grow. Um, But also when you receive a prophetic words, 
give room for that as well. So don't be quick to go, well, it's obviously not true. Um, you know, sometimes uh, God gives a prophetic word, so maybe look at finances again. Someone might say, hey, I really feel that there's um, some troubles with finances and that God's going to really provide. And you go, there's nothing wrong with my finances. This guy's completely off base, you know. Um, well, maybe the next day you get a bill, your car breaks down and you are out £2,000 and you're like, oh, I need a new car and I have no money. You know, so even in the moment, it might not seem like it makes sense, but you put it to the side and go, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna leave room for that to speak to me or to encourage me. Maybe you go through your prophetic words after your car breaks down and you go, oh yeah, that guy said to me two weeks ago, there's going to be problems in your finances, but there's provision. And you go, that really speaks to me now. At the time I was like, this guy's crazy. Now I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for that word. Um, and so allow, um, don't discredit the prophetic because it isn't, true because that's kind of the whole point of the prophetic is that you don't know it's true yet if, if you knew it was true god wouldn't need to tell you um and so i think that's um something we really need to hold in tension but i will say um in my experience i deal with a lot of people on a pastoral level um i would say one of the biggest issues i have a lot of issues or people with a lot of issues i have a lot of issues as well and um, but i deal with a lot of people with issues and one of the biggest issues i see in the charismatic church and the pentecostal church the the movements of the church that are really into prophecy i'm gonna say one of the biggest issues is prophecy prophecy probably causes one of the biggest issues in the whole of the charismatic church and it's because people give prophetic words as this carte blanche this is going to happen god said this and you're going to be a ceo and you're 18 years old and you've never worked a day in your life and you go great this is amazing i'm going to be a ceo yes that sounds great because who doesn't want to be like a millionaire in charge of a multinational business and well to be fair it sounds terrible but you know some people really really are like wow that's great and you say that over an 18 year old you're playing to their ego they are excited you know i mean that sounds great it sounds wonderful um but that requires work. Do you know what I mean? You don't. Bill Gates doesn't call you the next day and go, hey, I'd really love for you to take over Microsoft. Really unlikely as an 18-year-old with no experience that that's going to happen. Um, and what I see again and again and again, I see it especially with things like, hey, you're going to be an actress on Hollywood. You're going to be a singer and you're going to be uh, on, uh, I don't know, Bethel Music's label or Hillsong are going to sign you up and you're going to lead Hillsong worship uh, in their school of worship and it doesn't happen in fact your pastor doesn't even want you to lead worship you know what I mean like and and the problem is what what happens when we when we get that word that do you know what it doesn't even matter if it resonates with my spirit because it resonates with everything else in me I want that I want to be a big well-known worship leader I want to have an album or I want to be a Hollywood actor or actress and when it doesn't happen it creates a world of pain and problems. Like, a world of pain and problems. Paula mentioned the other day, um, someone who had been told, you'll be married by the time you're 34. And then they turned 35, they just had a breakdown. Because that's just a really unhelpful word. Because truth is, to get married is not something God's in charge of. You are. And in fact, you're not in charge of it either. Unfortunately, you need someone else to be complicit unless you go to some other country where that's not the case you can engage in real biblical marriage where you saw someone buys a woman free um i'm not the biggest fan of biblical marriage if i'm honest um but it requires two people right um and so giving a prophecy saying you're you will be married and it will be um to 
some absolutely stunning, handsome guy or this beautiful buxom blonde or this amazing international ministry person or this CEO, like businesswoman, like, you know, giving you this clear cut, this is who you're going to marry or you will get married and it's going to be to Sheila. Um, what does Sheila think about that? You know, um, that's that's an issue. And I've seen it again and again and again. I, I see this all the time. I, I have my email inbox fills up with these kind of emails. Hey, Phil, can you really pray for me? I got this prophetic word and I'm in love with this girl. And I, and I got a prophetic word saying you're in love and the person you're in love with is going to be your wife. And But I, I, I've talked to her and she doesn't really seem interested. This always happens in my sessions. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm being set up. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, I get this email and people are like, genuinely like, the prophet said I was going to marry the person I'm in love with or spend the rest of my life. And I talked to them and they said, not a chance, right? And, and the girl's thinking, hell no, is that happening? Or the guy, it's happened. I, in fact, let me tell you this. I've had emails where people, where, where literally women have said, Phil, God's spoken to me and said, you will be my husband. I got a lot of these after I uh, ended up divorced. It was quite funny. It really gave me a bit of a smile. Um, and I was like, well, I've got a backup plan at least. Um, <laughs> but, you know, God's prophetic words over that person, uh, I'm not going to get involved with that. Sorry, God. You're on your own there. And somehow God seems powerless. I seem more in power than God because I'm not interested in marrying some random person um, from some random country that thinks that I'm going to be their, their husband. Um, and so prophecy, um, prophecy is a complex thing, and we need to engage with it in its complexity. You know, it needs to be tempered with that wisdom and with revelation, and especially in things like that. You know, when, when, we, when we're dealing with things that people are emotionally charged over, prophecy is really, really powerful and helpful or really dangerous you know something like getting married people are emotionally charged especially 34 year old girls if they're still single right generally speaking if they want to be married that's an emotionally charged human being okay um and to give them a prophetic word saying you're going to be married by the end of this year um i might be changing the story but you know the example is there that's you're you're given a word that they're not going to go away and be like, hmm, let me weigh this up and let me whatever. They're just going, ka-ching, finally, my moment is here. Because that person gives words, and I've seen him, a few of his prophetic words come about, good enough for me, this is it, right? And it's really hard to walk through the process of um, weighing up a prophetic words when you're extremely emotionally charged about something. It's the same with hearing God's voice. This is why we say, you know, when it comes to hearing God's voice, um, be really cautious when it's things about like relationships, um, when it's about loved ones, when it's about all sorts of different things. Because when you hear God's voice, we've talked already about how hard it is to distinguish between God's voice and our voice, right? How hard is it like when you're hearing like what flavor chips do we eat? You know what I mean? Salt and vinegar or cheese and onion, right? That's like that's hard enough as it is. What about who do I marry, right? Oh, we just brought a whole bunch of new emotions to the table because I wasn't particularly emotionally charged over what flavor chips to eat, right? I'm extremely emotionally charged over who I'm going to marry. And so I think we have to be honest with ourselves and say, I'm bringing a lot of emotion to the table over certain things. So when someone gives you a word that you're emotionally charged about, it's really, really wise to take a step back and go, okay, I have a bias here. 
I either don't want that to be true or I do want that to be true, right? And so we need to be honest with ourselves and say, I automatically, regardless of if that's from God, I want this to go one way or another. Do you know what I mean? So if, if, if God, someone comes to you and says, hey, I really feel Africa is going to be big in your future and you, like, you don't want anything to do with Africa, like you have a bias already. You're like, eh, thanks, but no thanks. But maybe actually in time, a heart really will develop for Africa. And actually, if you open it and go, okay, thank you. I, I don't feel that's right, but I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to think about it. Um, giving time to pray, giving time to think about it, giving time to for God to speak, but recognizing that you're going to be biased in all of your process in that. Um, a big, big part of this, and this is why community is so great, is get other people involved. Someone gives you a word, right? How many, I, I cannot tell you how many times this has happened, but I, I've got a, a few really close um, girlfriends and I've had guys come to me going, hey, I really think that I'm supposed to be with this person. I really feel God told me that, God's, that I'm going to be with this person or I got a prophetic word that I'm going to be with this person. But I know this person really well. I know that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> I, I know that is never going to happen. Because I've talked to this person about these things or, you know, and, and they've told me, oh, I'm not remotely interested in this type of person. Or they've even said in, by name, oh, that person, I think they kind of like me, but I really hope they don't move on it because I am not remotely interested. And so they go, oh, I feel God saying this. I, I'm probably not going to go, well, actually, she, she, she doesn't remotely interested in you. Um, but I might be able to go, hey, I have some information that's not um, deeply emotionally charged for you that I don't know if it's going to work. But what I do recommend is before you go x y and z you just go speak to that person i think you know so this is almost becoming a talk about relationships but it's not meant to be but i'm just kind of giving you some it's such an easy example because it's such a charged one um so i I, this works for anything we're emotionally invested in deeply emotionally invested in but this is such a great example because i can't think of many things we're more emotionally invested in than a a love uh relationship it could be with uh, a friend or a family member as well or something like that um but this is why I always recommend talk, communicate, get around other people, help community make a decision for you. Um, one of the best ways to find out, if God says to you, you're going to marry that girl, one of the best ways to find out is to go ask her out for coffee. Because if she says, over my dead body, I'm going to guess. God might be right. You know, there might be a shift. But there's a good chance it's not going to happen. And maybe you've brought some biased information into hearing God's voice. Um, and so... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll give up on that example, but I, I just want you to kind of think about these things. You know, when, when I'm giving prophetic words, am I emotionally attached? When I'm receiving prophetic words, am I emotionally attached? Um, try and steer clear of that. Try and steer clear of giving a prophetic word to something you're really attached in. So, you know, if you um, are in church ministry and, you know, someone applies to be in the worship team and you're like, I don't really think they're particularly good. I've seen this. This is really messy, okay? And this is really messed up. But I've seen, like, someone apply for the worship team and the pastor's like, they're not good, right? But they're not brave enough to say, hey, I'm really sorry, but you're not good. Let's make sure you have some more lessons and I'd really like to revisit this in six months and see if you've developed some of the skills. In fact, some of the worship team will come alongside you and, and, and help you learn and grow. What I've seen is the pastor going, uh, actually, I asked God about that, and he said that you, you're not supposed to uh, be on the worship team. Or I really ask, feel God saying that you're called to something else right now. And actually what's happening is I'm trying to manipulate someone else to do something so that I don't have to deal with my crap. That's basically what happens. And so whenever you are invested in something, be very careful when you prophesy into it because you are bringing a whole bunch of stuff as well to the table. Does that make sense?
Like, do you understand what I'm saying there? Like, it's so manip. I, I, I feel sick when people go up to. Uh, I'm coming back to a relationship thing, but you go up to a guy or you go up to a girl and say, "Hey, I feel God's told me you're going to be my wife." Like, what do you do with that? Right? You go, "Oh, well, God's wrong." Right? I mean, like, it's so it's it's a manipulative thing. Like, ask the person out on a date, you know? Or, um, hey, I really feel God told me I'm going to get a job for working for you. You go up to someone in church that is like a business leader, a manager, or a CEO, runs their own company. Um, you know, that's a really manipulative thing to say. And, and it might be true. You might feel God say, uh, maybe someone gives you prayer and says, hey, I, I, I feel that you're going to work for this person in church. That's great. Go speak to them. Go say, hey, um, I'm looking for work right now. Um, felt God say maybe I could talk to you. Maybe it's you have some work that I could do. Maybe it's you've got some advice for me. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know what it is, but do you have any input? Do you have any jobs going? That's okay. That's fine. But to say, oh, God told me that you're going to give me a job, like that puts the other person in a really awkward position. Um, and so, and you know what? When you have no job and you need to pay the bills, you're emotionally biased. You're definitely putting a lot of emotions into whatever God says about your job position. You're bringing some emotions to the table. And so we have to be aware of our emotions. We have to be aware of what, what am I um, invested in? Because it will always play into how we hear God's voice. And, and that's okay. It's not a bad thing. It's just something we have to be aware of. And other people around us is the number one thing you're going to tamper with. Because you can open a Bible, find a Bible verse for anything. I can have slaves. I can rape a woman. I can go kill a bunch of people of another nation, another skin color. Bible's good for that. I got some Bible verses. So you know, I can pick a Bible verse that supports whatever my weird prophecy is. I'll find it somewhere. Um, and so we'll, we'll get into more about how we approach the Bible. Okay, so like, you know, but... The Bible can be really messy when it's just your only source. So that's when, again, when you go to other people and you go, hey, I've got this Bible verse and I feel God told me I'm to go and get some slaves to do clean up my house. And they're going to go, right, uh, I don't see that, <laughs> right? Um, that's why it's really helpful to have some other people to give you some frame of reference. Obviously, that's a ridiculously extreme example, but we all do some ridiculously stupid things on a smaller level, right? And we have a Bible verse for it and we have we heard God's voice and... Um, I, I have friends that um, go around. Um, I can think of one, one friend in particular that often comes to me for advice. But anytime he comes to me for advice, he's already gone to about 10 people. And after me, he's going to go to another 10 people. And if he sees 20 people and asks for advice, all he's looking for is one person to say what he wants. So he can get 19 people to disagree with what he thinks. But if one person agrees, <gasps> clear sign, I should do what I thought. And that's all he's doing. He's just going from friend to friend to friend to find a thing to reinforce what he believes and what he feels God said or what he feels uh, God's leading him to do or whatever. Um, and so I, I, I'm just cautioning you, be really aware of your emotions. Be really aware of your intentions. Be really aware of your desires when dealing with hearing God's voice, when dealing with prophecy. Talk to someone that isn't as emotionally invested in you. And you've got great people around you. You know, you've got people in the house. You've got each other. You've got people in the church. You've got friends back home. Talk to them. Say, hey, I really feel God's saying this uh, right now, and I'm exploring it. They'll, they'll tell you, okay, that sounds great. Or, cool, maybe do that, but proceed with caution. Or, hey, you're insane. Like, people around you, your friends, are good for that, you know? Pick people that you know uh, and trust will give you feedback. Um but I think here's the thing I'll say about getting feedback. Um, I, I went for a season. Um, I, I don't know if you've picked this up about me. I'm, I'm fairly strong-willed. Uh, I'm not a, a gentle person when it comes to sharing my opinions. Hey, bud. 
Um, and so I can be very overbearing. Um, and it's funny, like I, I was just reading through uh, uh, some paperwork I had um, when I was working for a company. They paid for like a professional to come in and, and do an analysis on me. And like um, they had actually a couple of professionals come in and, and just try and figure out what my personalities were, what the good things were, what the negative things were, how other people in the, in the work environment could work with me. And, um, and in it, it's like Phil has opinions. He's going to share them. You are wrong. Like, that's in my evaluation. And, and it's true. You are all wrong, and I am right. And I will do anything to help you see that. Um, but the point being, um, we have... I can't even remember what my point was. Um, where was I... How did I start off with that? Oh, gosh. What did I bring up? Yes. So, but the point being, I... For a long while, I was really intentional with, I want to get feedback. I want to, when I go to someone, I want them to say, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. Or, you know, you're, you're a bit like this and you need to, you know, uh, that actually, that paperwork revealed a lot of stuff. And I was like, man, people should tell me that. I really don't like that and I want to work on it. Um, there's other things that I'm like, wow, that's awesome. That's me, right? Because, uh, yeah, that's me. Um, but <laughs> there was plenty of stuff in there. Like, why are, why are my friends not saying, hey, Phil, you're a bit... Over the top at times, you're a bit strong-willed, uh, you're a bit um, overpowering, um, you're maybe not as sensitive to how other people might hear information. I deal in information, I don't deal in emotions. That, that's something I really work on really hard is to be sensitive to people's emotions. I'm not very empathetic. And so when you say something, I disagree with you. I disagree with your point. I don't, I'm, I'm not babysitting you. I'm not there to look after your emotion. I'm, I'm just having a discussion about the point. But the problem is I often end up hurting the person because I tear their point apart and share my point. But I think we're just having a good discussion. And even it can get to raise voices back and forth. And I think we're, this is great. We're having a really good discussion about this point. And the other person, they, they, it's not even about the point anymore. They're just fighting with me because they think I hate them. And I'm like, oh, I don't even, like, you could be anyone right now. I'm talking about the point. And, and so things like that, like, I'm like, oh, my friend should be telling me that. I could be more sensitive. I can be really trying to think more. Um, and... You know, 10 years later, I'm still really struggling with that one. I bite my tongue all the time, and everyone around me still walks away limping. Um, but what I found was I, I, I went to one of my mentors, and I said, why are people not giving me feedback? Why do people not jump in and say, hey, Phil, I don't think you're right here? And it was really interesting, because I was like, well, what's wrong with them? Why are they not coming and telling me? And I think anytime you're, you're asking the question, what's wrong with everyone around me? there's a good indicator that everyone around you doesn't have the same problem. Um, and, and he just said, well, when people do give you feedback, how do you respond? And it was really challenging to me because the truth is I probably didn't respond overly well. Oftentimes I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'll think about that or whatever. Um, but most of the time I would probably argue it. I'd be like, well, yeah, but that's because of this and that's because of that and I'm like that because of this. Or, um, and, and he... he, he Throughout this um, statement, she threw out this statement, actually. And uh, she said, if you even argue in your head when someone gives you feedback, you've already lost the feedback. You're not going to grow. She says, you cannot even argue the statement in your head. You have to have the posture that says, this person is right. They might be wrong on a deeper level, but what they feel and how they see you and how they've how they receive your feedback, your your input, whatever they feel is right for them, and that's what's important. 
and you need to be open to it. And, and it changed my life. I, I, I suddenly became really aware of everyone's opinion is really true for them. And I need to hear their opinion and it will shape me. It will help me change. Even if, even if they're wrong, it's a, it's a big deal for them. So I need to figure out, well, what am I doing that causes that to appear like that for that person? And so my point in that is find people um, in your life that you really trust that are speaking into you. But if people aren't speaking into your life, if people aren't pulling you aside and saying, hey, Timon, that's not okay. If you don't have people that are doing that, ask yourself why. And, and, and go after it and ask people to give you feedback, but intentionally go, I am going to receive this feedback. You know, when you have a prophecy that says, oh, I'm going to get a job from this person, and the person around you goes, I don't think that's likely. I know they're not hiring right now. Um, and you immediately discredit and go, well, I heard God and blah, 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 blah. You've closed that person off to be a voice in your life again. Because they go, well, they're not going to listen to me. Why would I bother share? You know, the person I'm thinking in my head that just goes around and asks 20 people for input, I don't even talk to them about stuff like that. I just don't. I, I just say, well, have you asked other people? And like, oh, I asked a few other people. What did they say? And well, it wasn't really helpful. I'm like, maybe just think about what they said. I'm not interested in having this discussion if all you're doing is collecting info. Because I don't have time to give input to someone that's not listening to me. And the people in your life will subtly um, pick up that you're not interested in their input and will slowly just create a boundary that says, I'm not interested in being a voice into your life if you're not going to actually engage with it. And so really think intentionally about how am I developing people in my life that can speak into me? Because it's really important. Because otherwise, you do. You run away with the revelation and there's no wisdom. You know, Proverbs talks again and again and again that one of the key sources of wisdom is not in um, sitting and praying in your closet. It's not in reading your Bible. It's not in, um, you know, reading good self-help books. It's about having a multitude of people speaking into your life. Again and again and again throughout Proverbs, it says, make sure you have people in your life. Make sure someone speaks into your life. Make sure you have mentors. Make sure you have a multitude of counselors. Make sure you, you know, again and again and again, it's saying people are really important to have. Otherwise, you are going to go off the beaten narrow. Um, and, you know, the truth is, um, you look at Waco, the example given. He had a Bible. He used it every week when he preached, you know. But he didn't have other people that he allowed to speak into his life saying, that is not how the Bible should be read, right? Hitler had a Bible when he said, well, I'm going to exterminate the Jews because they are the problem. And the message of Christianity is that the Jews were the problem. Like, that's not the message of Christianity. Anyone got a Bible to speak into Hitler's life here? Because <laughs> that's not where you take things. You know, and I know that's much more complex and that wasn't Hitler's core message. But he used the Bible at times to justify what he was doing. And you're like, uh... No, no, you can't do that. The, 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 the largest opposition to the um, transatlantic slave trade in America um, were the Christians, or, or the largest um, uh, proponents for it, sorry, were the Christians. And they held up their Bible in courts day in, day out, arguing that it should remain legal for us to have slaves because the Bible tells us we can have slaves. In fact, the Bible tells us people of another skin color are less than human. The Bible tells us that. And they held their Bible up proud and high and taught from it. And it required other people with a Bible. It's actually Christians that broke down that argument as well, holding their Bible up and going, yeah, but let's keep reading. 
You know, let's look at the trajectory. Let's look at the greater message that's within here. And so the Bible is, is key to um, grounding us. But actually, you can read the Bible however you want if you're on your own. It's still in community that we actually have people to go, hey, I get that you're saying that, but like there might be some other options here. There might be some other interpretations. There might be some other ways to do things. So make sure that um, above and beyond anything, you're surrounding yourself with community. You're surrounding yourself with healthy people that speak into your life um, because it is absolutely huge. Um, So what do we do when we do have a prophetic word and we go, okay, this feels like it is for me. I really actually, I mean, I get that. Like someone says this word and you go, oh, I'm coming alive to it. We, we go and speak to someone else. We run it by other people. We, we check in the words. Is it, com- it or the Bible? Is it, is it compatible with the, with the message of scripture? Is it congruent with that? Um, and then we do something. And I think this is where the, the next big pitfall for most people is, you know, um, so you get a word, you're going to be married in the year and you go around and you ask people and they're like, yeah, I mean, you want to be married. That's great. If God's behind that, that's awesome. Um, so you go, yeah, great. And you look in the Bible and it's like, yeah, it's not good for man to be alone. Like, great. I mean, like, it's not saying every man won't, you know, have a, a will have a wife or whatever, but you know, it's, it's there. I can desire a wife. Great. Uh, so maybe I should go on some dates. Maybe I should ask some girls out. Maybe I should get on like an online dating program or something because if I now go and sit in my room and watch romantic comedies every day, <laughs> wishing that was me, I'm very unlikely to be married by the end of the year. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? And so it requires me to engage. If you get that prophetic word and say, you're going to be a CEO and you go to um, people for advice and you go, what, what do you think? And, and they go, yeah, I mean, I see that in you. You've, you've got great leadership skills. Uh, you love business. You've got a real business mind. I can see that happening for you. You're like, great. And you open the Bible and it's like, great. Well, there's nothing against being a CEO. Right? I mean, there's nothing particularly saying you will be one, but there's nothing against it. There's nothing holding me back here. So what do I do? Uh, go get an MBA. Go to business school. Go get a job, right? Because if you're sitting in your basement of your mom's apartment playing Xbox every day, every night, you're probably not going to be a CEO in the next 20 years, right? You actually need to go get a job. And CEOs don't get employed from basements. They get employed from vice presidents. They get employed from managerial positions or director positions. Like It's a position that you work into and, and up to. Um, and so engage with that prophetic words whatever it is you know hey i see you're going to be a worship leader great what's my option maybe buy a guitar right maybe pay tom hockley for some music lessons or do you know what i mean but like what am i going to do now and and if you if you feel that word is for you and you you and you've got um you know it's it's compatible with what god's saying through the bible it's compatible with you know people speaking into your life and going yeah yeah, that sounds fine like they might not agree or disagree they just go yeah sounds okay like if that's what you think great um do something engage with it because if you're not going to engage with it it's probably not going to come back maybe it will you know sometimes it does i i've I've had prophetic words that god's uh given me through people and i'm at a time like i'm not sure sounds all right but not really sure and it's certainly not a priority for me right now and so i've wrote them down in like an app on my phone or something in my notes app and years later I'm looking through my notes and I'm like oh yeah that did happen <laughs> I, I didn't even think about it but it happened um, and so sometimes it's going to happen like I'm not saying it, it, it's not going to happen I'm not saying God can't make you a CEO if you're living in a basement he can which is very unlikely um, he tends to work within the framework of how life works he, he works within things um, and so 
obviously give room for God to do amazing things. Maybe you'll accelerate up through that business much quicker than anyone ever. You know, you'll be the youngest CEO of that company in the history of the company, or you know, like those sort of things can happen. Um, but really engage with your word. If you really feel it's for you, engage with it. Read it. Write it out and stick it on your mirror in the bathroom. So every day you get up and you look in the mirror, you're looking at yourself and you're looking at that word. You are a CEO. And you go to work and you are cleaning the toilets because that's the only job available right now. And you have in your mind, I'm doing this so I can work up this business. And before long, you're the CEO of a cleaning company. Or Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's you've got to engage with it. You've got to grab a hold of it. Um, on the flip side, there are times uh, we, we kind of covered that kind of element of like, well, I think this is for me and it's just not happening. You're going to wrestle. You're going to try. You're going to make it happen. And, and maybe even people around you are like, yeah, go for it. Sure, you could be a, an actor. Go for it. Um, but you, 10 years later, are still trying to be an actor and you've never had one job, you know? You maybe were an actor as the adult role in like a school play. But, you know, you're not on TV. You're not getting a job in uh, uh, theater. I mean, there's nothing happening. At a certain point, you need to, uh, I would say, revisit your prophecies as you go. Um, So have your prophecies. I think recording your prophecies, Paul said recording in audio. I don't record my prophecies in audio because I don't listen to prophecies. I read, like I don't listen to things. Um, and so I, I, I will record them sometimes, but then I'll write them down later in, I've got a stack of uh, paper ones because I like to like flick through them. I, I quite like the thought of like pulling through them. I often ask people, can you write that prophetic word down for me? And I put it in like a folder so I can look through it. But I also store them in my Evernote, you know, in my notes account so that I can just click on the prophecy folder and I've just got hundreds and I can search them. I can type in business and all the prophecies about business are there. I can type in leadership, all the prophecies, and I can just read them over myself. But what I would recommend is once a year, once every six months, once a month, whatever it is for you, you go back through whatever your list of prophecies is, listening to them, reading them on paper, searching them on your computer, but read through them and go, what's what's jumping out at me right now? And is there stuff that earlier on I was like, nah, I'm not sure. Or is there stuff that I was really into earlier on, but now I'm thinking, I just don't know if that's what God's saying. Maybe I misheard. Maybe the person misheard. Maybe there's more going on. And I tend to have prophecies in three camps, okay? There's prophecies that I've completely dismissed, but it takes a lot for me to completely dismiss a prophecy, if I'm honest. Um, unless it's some crazy woman that emails me saying I'm going to be her bride. Maybe I will. I don't know. You know, maybe something crazy is going to happen. I, I can't imagine it, but I'm really hoping not. But who knows? But, you know, so I, it takes quite a lot for me to completely dismiss. But I also have like a, 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 a category called on the shelf, okay? And these are the categories that I just I kind of put on the shelf over there. And I'll, I'll revisit it at some point and I'll look through them and go, eh, maybe, maybe not. And maybe after a while, but no, I really am going to dismiss that. Again, it takes a lot for me to completely throw them out. Um, but I also have a category of like active prophecy. Like this is, this is something I really feel God's breathing on and I'm going to be actively complicit in making it happen. Right now, I'm working on making this happen in my life. Whatever that looks like, it's not like a striving and make it happen on my own, but it's like, God, I am really giving room for this. I'm praying about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm living my day, looking around, waiting for opportunities. Um, And that's um, a category that you can only have so many in. Do you know what I mean? You can't have 300 prophecies you're actively working on every day. 
you're going to have certain prophecies. Maybe you feel like, I'm going to get married soon. You're really actively working on that, right? So you're actively asking people out. You're actively, I don't know, updating your online profile on a website. Or I don't know what it looks like for you. Or maybe you're dating someone and you're actively working intentionally. Like, I am really investing in date nights and spending time with them and buying flowers and wooing them. Because I want this to go somewhere where we're going to have a, a long-term relationship. Um, and so you're actively working on that. Or it's a business thing, you're actively working. I'm going to really invest in business because I know God's saying that business is in my future and I'm, I'm called to be um, something great in business. Um, and so that's great. But every now and again, revisit the shelf. Look through it and just go, is there anything here that really is jumping out that I need to add to the mix? And sometimes there's things that you've been working on that are going to take backstage. You know, God's going to say to you or you feel or maybe some input from other people around you are going to go, hey, I know you're really working on this, but it needs to go on the shelf right now because you really need to focus on this. And that's okay. It's okay to move things back and forward to things we're actively working on and things we're not actively working on. It's kind of got a pause on it or it's a, we'll see. Um, and and I think just have the have the teachability to, to be open to God saying things that shifts the course open to people around you to say things that shift the course that you go actually i was really going down this line but i'm gonna just pause that for a second or or dismiss it for a second uh, for a for permanently maybe um i thought of something when i was saying that i was like oh that's something really important i can't remember the, the final thing i'll say is how many people do you know that have had a prophecy from God that they're going to be a toilet cleaner or a prophecy from God that they're going to be a waitress in Starbucks or a prophecy from God that their calling in life is to check out things at Tesco? Anyone? You, you know any people that have had that prophecy? No. Why? Because it's not a good prophecy to hear, right? Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But have as well some wherewithal uh, so that's a really stupid word to use I guess to people that speak German um, have some self-awareness and, and, and awareness of the world to recognize that people only prophesy ridiculous greatness right you're either a Hollywood actress or nothing you know you're either a CEO or who cares right um, and it's if I'm honest it's really messed up I think it's just a really, really messed up system because, and it's built on um, this hierarchical Christianity that we have that you're either absolutely amazing or eh, who cares? Like, you know what I mean? And uh, God doesn't work like that. God is delighted by someone who works for a cleaning company and cleans toilets and cleans offices all day so he can go home and he can love his wife and his kids and he pays the bills and he looks after them and he really enjoys cleaning. God loves that. He doesn't need them to be a CEO or a famous footballer or an actress or, you know, he's okay with them doing a regular nine to five job that he loves and that's okay. And I think this is, hear me right when I say this, you are probably 99% of the time not called to what most prophets will call greatness. Because most prophets call greatness the CEO, the actress, the football player, the 
whatever, the millionaire, the person that's a president or something. I mean, how many people in, like, one church can you be prophesied to be president? I mean, for crying out loud, let's work the odds, guys. You know what I mean? It's like, this is very unlikely that three people are going to be president, right? It's possible that all three go into government and make big changes and do that. That's great. But I think, you know, we need some some awareness here. And, and, and I don't think you get that that much here in Kingsway. I think we're, we're fairly wise. Um, but I've been in churches where every other person is going to be like the world's most famous person. And I'm like, this does seem unlikely, right? And, and I think let's remember that Jesus never glorifies greatness in the way that we do. He never glues, oh, you're going to be a CEO. Whoa, you're going to be this. Oh, you're going to be that. He pretty much says, actually, if you're going to be the best thing since sliced bread, it's going to look like serving people. And it looks like serving people that nobody wants to serve. It looks like hugging lepers. It looks like looking after widows that society has got rid of. It looks like looking after orphans and housing them when nobody wants to look after the orphans. Um, I think... I'm not sure what I'm saying in that. I, I I guess I'm just saying... Be especially wary of a call to quote-unquote greatness um, because it seems the flavor of the month in prophetic and it, uh, flavor of the decade, I guess. But prophets don't prophesy quote-unquote normal life of servitude. And yet that's what Jesus calls us to. And I think we need to be careful that we don't get caught up in that bubble. And I think, again, when you prophesy, don't feel the pressure to, you know, Oh, this person loves acting. I'm going to prophesy they're going to work in Hollywood. Like, first of all, that doesn't sound very much like, oh, what's God saying, right? It sounds like, oh, what can I kind of like, whatever, make this sound amazing, make their future sound amazing. But actually, first of all, maybe ask God, what are you saying? What's going on? But also recognize that your prophetic words sometimes aren't going to be with fireworks and all sorts of stuff. Sometimes it's going to be hey, I really feel God's calling you to a season of serving people right now in a new way that is a whole new lesson for you. Uh, I really feel God's saying to you, he's really pleased with your diligence and your serving and the way that you love your family by working in a job that you don't enjoy right now. And I really feel that the enjoyment's coming, whether it's a new job or it's, it's the same job and you just shift in perspective or whatever, but I really feel God's saying he's pleased with you for your diligence and working in that place anyway because you love your family. That's probably infinitely more profound and exciting and encouraging to that guy or woman that's sitting in an office every day working a crappy job than you're going to be a CEO because frankly that doesn't make much difference right now and also it's very unlikely <laughs> um, and, and I guess that's a, a bit of a I don't mean to be a bummer on things and I don't mean to say all the people that prophesy these great things are lying or making things up I don't mean that at all but I think we've got this this frame of reference of everyone's going to be great. Um, and there's a teaching in the church that became very popular in the last sort of decade or so um, called the, the Mountains of Influence. And it talks about different mountains in the church. There's the government mountain and there's the religion mountain and there's uh, education and there's science and there's business or whatever. And, and so it, the people in charge of the business mountain are like all the CEOs and the people in charge of education are all the people that are in government overseeing education, heads of education or head teachers in schools and things like that. And, and the idea is that Christians should be at the top because that's we're going to change everything. And a lot of that th- view has filtered into church so that we look at someone who wants to be in education and we go, you've got to be a head teacher because you'll make the biggest change and this and that and this. 
And I look at Jesus and I go, he didn't pick people in charge of governments. He didn't pick people in charge of schools. He didn't pick people in charge of businesses. He chose people that were fishermen that weren't even good fishermen. He chose people that couldn't put a sentence together. He chose people that failed in school, uneducated. And he says, you're going to change the world. And how they did it was not by taking over those mountains. And, and I'm not saying let's not do that. Like, but I'm just saying let's remember that the model has always been service. Um, and so I, I just think if we have that view of Christianity, it flavors what we prophesy. So now I see a person in front of me. I see them in business. If I have the view of like, oh, God's all about taking over business by getting CEOs and they change the the court culprit culture, uh, the the culture of like the company and things like, that, like, then when I see business over someone, I lean to say CEO or manager or director. Um, but God seems to do things upside down. He seems to change things from the ground up as well. Um, he does things from the top down sometimes, but more often than not, he does things from the ground up. And so I think having a, a healthy view of life in the kingdom stops us jumping to everyone should be at the top and actually recognize that the people at the bottom have just as much power because we're with Christ. Um, and so I guess, again, with understanding of how much our views can shape what we hear and what we say, um, try not to get caught up in that view that says everyone should be at the top in Christianity. Because frankly, if you have everyone in the world get saved, well, how does that work? Who's cleaning the toilets now? Right? Because we can't make the atheists do it or the Muslim or whatever else, but we go, oh, well, they should be at the bottom because we're at the top. I don't see God doing that at all. I don't see God being that God. And certainly when everyone's saved, well, we can't all be CEOs. We can't all be president. We can't all be head teachers. Um, and I think we can't see people's value and worth and how important their calling is by how high they are on a ladder. Um, and so undoing that view of um, Christianity and its, its dominion kind of theology is what it's called. Undoing that gives us room to give healthy, accurate, prophetic words so that when we see someone acting, we can give them a word about acting, absolutely. But we don't jump to going, oh, this must mean that they're going to be a major actor and they're going to influence really important people because that's what God wants, you know? Um, I just, maybe, maybe that is what God's going to say when you interact with him and say, what are you saying? But odds are 50% of your church aren't going to be CEOs and the other 50% are going to be actors. I mean, it's just really unlikely. And that's what a lot of charismatic churches feel like um, when, when that culture is so um, prevalent. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.